<sighs> Welcome, family. To remember with Sophia. Deep breath in. Opening up your spaces internally and holding. Letting it go. Bringing it back in. Expanding. Holding. Letting it go. Breathing into a space that's tight or tense. Holding. Letting it go. Thank you for joining today on another episode where we have the opportunity to remember parts of us, pieces of resonance, and expansion into our truth and what that means. Oh, man. Today, I'm coming at you with just some <clears throat> reflection. I mean, it's always really reflection. Jeremiah is with me on this podcast today, too. But recently I cut out caffeine and stimulants from my space. Um, and I don't do any, I'm not, I haven't been doing any types of medicines or mind altering things. I don't drink alcohol. Um, nothing, nothing to shift my consciousness or my state of being rapidly. No junk food. For the treats that I've been having, I've been making my own really healthy treats. So I've cut out a lot of the distractions of feeling what's present. Now, my whole life, I would always have something. It would be like, I can think back to my early 20s, like always with um, an energy drink or... Percocets or marijuana or back to energy drinks or mapacho for a while or hape or coffee or cigarettes when I'd go out sometimes. Like anything. It'd always be something though that would shift. So my life has called me to a place where I am more still and quiet than I've ever been in my entire existence. And my nervous system feels very safe. And within this, resting in the stillness and the silence and not distracting myself, busyness, the illusion of busyness, the illusion of doing, oh, I'm going to do this and this and all that and this and that. I've just been rooted. And cutting out any distractions in my body, a lot has been coming to the surface to be seen. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And when someone in my environment triggers something within me, I have no choice but to sit, to sit with the sensation, to breathe into it. And I've been noticing in that a deep desire to run away. I'll notice when the, in the sensation is really intense, I like want to instantly, my mind is like, go drink some cacao, like go drink some coffee. And I've always been someone to sit with my sensations, okay? Always. I teach that. I mean, Sage, my previous partner, would always share with people, like, I'm amazed at how she just sits with what she's feeling. But still, like, cacao was my partner. Coffee was my partner. And now I have nothing except just fully what's arising. And anything that was shoved down in my being from like junk foods, that would always be my vice too. Or these, these, um, yeah, stimulants. Anything that was shoved down and not fully felt is coming up to be felt, which was a lot of stuff. I always knew because I'm very tuned in and sensitive that when I would drink a stimulant or caffeine, it would activate a whole other operating system within my being which would I would align with and I would ride that energy, but it would override mine 
it would override my own system. And then I would hop onto a completely different system and ride that. And then later that night or the next morning, I'd be like, whew, feeling intense. Do my practice and always like cacao, straight to cacao or coffee or something. Back in my Rap A days, they'd be like, I'm just going to drop in and have like a really clear meditation. So I'm going to shoot this up my nose. And then I'm like, looking back, it's just so funny. So funny. The illusions that I could try to convince myself, my own self of to justify stepping over my own deep down knowing. (laughs) So within this, um, I've been having a lot of anger come to the surface. A lot of anger and frustration and irritation, but it's anger. And really under that anger is fear. And certain people or events can trigger this in me. And it's really deep and upwelling, but I have nothing to distract myself with. So I've been being with it. And... Today, being with some anger that's been in my field, been really able to locate this piece around. I'm a recovering people pleaser, and I'm sure a lot of you are too. Uh, We are really raised in a codependent society and really don't even know what that is, a lot of us. What does codependent even mean? And so I was a super people pleaser massive. I never really felt safe in my home. So I learned right away, like I had no control over my environment. And or my mom or like the craziness of my life. Growing up, it felt very unsafe. I lived in fear, basically. And so when I learned that I could meet other people's desires and what they willed, I could show up for what they wanted then I would feel safe because then I would be included or they would like me or they would want me around. So I I was always, like I said, super sensitive and I could sense what my environment wanted and needed. And I would show up as that because then it felt it was a way to quote unquote control my environment. Like, okay, if I'm showing up exactly what you need, you're going to want me around and I feel safe in that. I feel included in that. Obviously, I didn't know I was doing that. So I learned from an early age to override my will because my will didn't matter. I didn't feel safe and to show up for the will of what others desired of me. And that led to a lot of stepping over self all growing up in middle school and high school, stepping over my desires, showing up like sexually for for people that I didn't want to with certain sexual acts. Because, well, a few reasons. That's what was modeled to me. But, um, you know, I think I shared this before. Like, one day, I suddenly became popular. Because I showed up to school with makeup on and my hair done. So, I learned then that I could be included if I overrode my natural being. So I started every day and I developed such an infatuation with that, that I would wake up an hour and a half early before high school, before middle school, eighth grade up to high school to straighten my hair and to do my makeup perfectly. All throughout the day at school, I would have to leave the classroom and go in the bathroom and check the mirror. How do I look? How do I look? How do I look? Oh my gosh. Am I okay? How's my makeup? Oh my God. I need more bronzer. Oh, my hair. Like I literally failed gym both times I was in gym because I refused to participate because I knew if I sweat it would take off my makeup or it'd mess up my straight hair I couldn't even risk that like I turned into this being who when I would go to certain friends places and they'd be having pool parties I would never go in because I knew I'd be seen without my makeup on and with my hair not straight because if it got wet even just a little bit I became this other thing like I didn't even know who I was I was just like Okay, I'm liked if I look like this. I'm pretty if I look like this. And so within that, the next layer was getting accepted by certain people in high school. And 
doing the certain things that they would. Learning that if I did these certain sexual acts, I would be loved and validated. And my body was screaming the whole time, like, please, no, please, no. And I'm just like not even listening. And I developed all through high school severe like IBS um, for about seven months. I could hardly even eat. I would eat and I would always end up having acid reflux, crazy pains or vomiting. And doctors would do different experiments on me. I had a camera pinned to my esophagus, like the craziest shit. I was always having some type of ailment. And I didn't realize that it was because I didn't even know myself and my will was in the hands of the environment, just showing up how they wanted. But part of me felt safe in that and included in that, and desired in that. So, yeah, I just had um, a really potent ritual with my mom for her birthday where we cleared so much that she was previously unwilling to even touch with a 50-foot pole. Went through all of her life and all the stuff that she was holding on to to just release and find forgiveness. And she... My mom really grew up feeling unwanted. You know, she was adopted. Um, Her birth mother, when my mom was in the womb, was constantly putting energies into her womb and into her body of like, I don't want you. And so were her parents, which would be my mom's grandparents. They hid her in her room and like wouldn't even let her be seen when she was showing. So my mom's first programming is you are not wanted. So then she you know, gets adopted into a home that doesn't really know how to love her. And she learns that showing up, you know, in certain ways, how her environment wants, sexually, looks wise, that she would feel wanted and validated. So on this call, she really got that. And it transmuted so much in her field to really be able to look at that and own that like, wow, this was programmed into me and to bring in compassion for a lot of the things that she's done to realize, wow, I was just wanting to be loved and accepted. So there's some healing going on in this bloodline. But I think we can all locate ourselves in in these shares that I'm bringing today because we're a society of people pleasers. We don't want to rock the boat because we want to be accepted ultimately. So I've been peeling back the layers of that within myself. But like I said, today I really located another layer in, in the piece of The anger that's coming up in me is the anger that was shoved down in my body for never listening to myself, to just listen to my environment, to just listen to how they wanted me to show up. And I've been coming stronger and stronger into my will and really developing a strong, solid sense of self. And, you know, this ties into real quickly what... I always teach about and talk about is holding the sensation. And so the stronger sense of self that I gain and the more balanced and calm my nervous system is, I can hold that sensation. So at first I was feeling like I was the anger. It's been so intense. It feels like an open wound in my solar plexus that's radiating out. And I'm like, okay, this thing and this thing. And I know this is just a people pleaser in me, but I was still slightly being the sensation and projecting it. So it took really shifting out and breathing into the sensation and moving it through to like be present with it and see the awareness of it and see it has nothing to do with the situation, but everything to do with what's coming up underneath that I never really had to deal with because I kept myself busy or on stimulants, which would subtly keep it under the surface. I want to hand this over to Jeremiah for a moment because he's really been key today in sitting and reflecting this with me. You know, at first he was giving me points to look at and I'm just like, you can't support me. You cannot support me in locating it. I'm just going to like sit here and breathe in it. And then he really, his reflections were just like, wow, so on point for this, which has led to the podcast today. So Jeremiah. Yeah. All right. So you and I, we've made a commitment that we're going to be self-reflecting within ourselves and we're going to use the nature of our relationship as mirrors to see ourselves and 
as we're projecting onto the other person, if they for a second can be solid and firm enough in their own self that they're not responding and reacting to our projections, then it gives us a space to bring stuff to the surface. All right, so what's it been, the last maybe week or two? <laughs> two weeks. Two yeah, there's weeks. been a, a lot of anger coming up. And I'm like, all right, well, this is, I've never seen this part of you. And <laughs> it's tried to tempt me into responding and reacting to it. I mean, essentially, that's what her anger or your anger, Sophia, has been doing is like, can I draw this person into this storyline and make it real? Because, you know, like that's what our egos do. These parts of us that are hurt. If we're projecting them out, we desire them to be met. And if someone else is like defending themselves, then they live in that space. And then there's no responsibility because we keep saying like, see, I'm just reacting to them and that, you know what I mean? So it's like the ego or the hurt self, the separate self gets to live in that space. So when one doesn't respond or doesn't make it real, then there's no choice but to like be responsible or just hide into how wrong that other person is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, our, so for instance, um, each one of these ways of interacting with somebody else is a story. Just as if we were sitting down on a piece of paper and writing it out, sentence by sentence, chapter by chapter. And we have to ask ourselves, well, what story am I choosing to tell? And who are going to be the characters in this story? All right, so if you're in close proximity with family members or work <laughs> Uh, partners they're in your story then it's just a matter of like what thoughts am I going to have what actions am I going to take and what can I do to get them involved in my story for them to be the evidence of the story that I'm writing all right so to get back to this anger that was emerging your anger was really trying to draw me into that storyline but then we started to look more go ahead the anger that it has been in my body that flows through me, not mine. Like this is mine, but <laughs> okay. The, the sun, the experience flowing through me. Right. So we, all right. So this morning we looked at this anger more in depth and we started to see, well, anger is merely energy and it's just flowing down a particular path. And why is it flowing down that path? Do we like the way it feels? Do we like the way it looks? Do we like that when we act out of that space, the results that we get from it? And we both realize we don't like this, but we don't know how to stop it. We don't know how to change it. Um, after we create actions in this space, we just realize we've created a mess and now we got more shit to clean up. Say you realize this because I don't relate to some of the things that you're saying. All right. Tell me. What's <laughs> <laughs> I don't relate to, I don't like this. I don't this and that. Like I fully am like accepting that these are sensations within me. Yeah. It's not my ideal experience to operate in, but I also am not like, I hate this. Like I don't like this. It's like, no, I don't have, I'm not going to like, label it as bad and wrong I know it's something within me that that's like a scared part of me a fear-based part of me um but today like as I was breathing into it I was it was shifting and moving but it feels like lodged like I could feel it like wrapped around my um spine like literally like in its own organ and I was like I don't know what to do with this you know I don't know what to do with this and obviously my mind came in and was like just keep doing what you're doing and I realized okay, what I need to do is just when it comes up, I need to shift to the observer, not the identifier, and just breathe in it every time it comes up. Like, that's what to do, right? Not to be like, this is wrong. I don't like this. Even though part of me may think that, you know, I don't identify with that. I want to shift to the space where it's non-dual and I'm able to hold it and breathe into it to create optimum transmutation because what did we locate it was that it was today, you know? this whole fear-based protection system, even the protection to where part of me didn't want me to fully breathe into it, you know? Cause it was like, oh, no, like I want to be protected here. I can't open up. Oh, it can feel more intense to open it up and breathe into it because its own defense mechanism is like, don't 
don't touch this. I'm keeping this safe, you know? All right. I hear you totally. <laughs> All right. so, so as we started to look more deeply into this anger and where it was coming from, we started to recognize that it was a defense mechanism. And it was created, this energy had been suppressed, and as you call it, held and stored in the body, because at an early age, you realized that your environment was unsafe. It created threat, and therefore, the trauma that was initiated at the very beginning became the, the, the beginnings of behaviors that caused you to try to control your environment. So as we began to speak, we started to see the anger is merely a response or a reaction to not being able to control our environment. I think that anybody listening to this can realize that when you're angry, it's because you can't control a uh, s- you can't control a situation. And the illusion of control. It's just the illusion of control because yeah, we may be able to dictate other people's actions or like things like that, but it's all an illusion anyways. Right. And so there are people, especially innocent child, and I imagine you as a little girl is just like wanting to jump around and play and dance and smile and give hugs and engage in all these loving, affectionate behaviors. But obviously your environment was presenting a different story. And it was telling you that those behaviors were not acceptable and that in fact if you engaged in them you may be punished or you couldn't have any particular like predictable result for the way that you were behaving so you started to rearrange the way that you behaved so that your environment began to respond to you (laughs) and as you were telling me that at an early age you had realized that if you started to wear makeup if you started to behave a certain way and to wear certain clothes, your environment was responding to you. And you were subtly beginning to learn how to control your environment. Mm -hmm. You were learning to manipulate your environment to at least not aggressively attack you, but now it was starting to accept you. And now you had people that were rearranging themselves to imitate you which you've seen happen throughout your life, right? All the way from like moving to Costa Rica and people are like, you're so lucky, you know, and (laughs) wanting to have that same life when you're like, no, it, you know, you can have this, but it's not even really that great. You know, so we've been watching you come around to this point of like, well, what's really in alignment with your soul, you know? And now you're getting past this point of people pleasing, doing things for people because it makes them happy all right so this conversation this morning that you were having with this um workmate it brought up this anger in you and the anger wasn't so much that they were doing something that was offensive or wrong to you the anger was coming up that you have overstepped yourself throughout your entire life you have overstepped your own boundaries your own authentic self so the anger is really just you being angry at yourself yes and you haven't compromised yourself if not all of your life yes in effort to make other people happy but you've you're finally getting to the point to where you realize that your happiness is something that's can only come as you are authentic and aligned with your sense of self. And I'm surprising myself with what my true alignment is because I was aligned with a version that felt very true and authentic. And I'm getting even deeper to the authenticity of what is most authentic to my soul. And I'm surprised at how it's showing up. Like, wow, of course, how could it be anything but that? And I love what you just said because... That is a key piece to remember. When we are feeling anger, it's we're pointing the finger out at that person, but there's three pointing back. And can we look at ourself and what is really being communicated here? Yeah. What is really being communicated here? 
because it's our own vessel to us. I was talking to a friend the other day and she, it was all this guy, her, her being, you know, was telling her like, don't relate to this guy. Don't interact with this guy. So this could be two situations. So if you're listening, there's like two people in my field where this could apply to either of them. But this one, um, she knew her intuition was telling her this isn't the one for you, like to move to, to separate from this being in this way. But she kept going back in, you know, he really wanted her to keep trying and keep doing it. So anyways, in the end, what happened was it wasn't in alignment and she was a lot of anger and upset energies were, was coming through up in her field, but she just wanted to blame him, you know, well, he did this and he pulled me in and he and that and he and that, but no, it's like, what is the anger showing you? It's show it, it's really the anger of <clears throat> the, it's really the anger of stepping over oneself and one's own knowing, and then how deep does that anger go? How long has one done that in their life? So much so that it's become part of their operating system, where it's like an automatic. Like what does it look like to fully align with our knowing and fully align with ourself? And when it's so subconscious, some of these ways that we show up to please others to feel safe. It's like, how do we even locate that? How we locate it is following the energetics that are being projected outwards. Follow them in. Yeah, all right. So here we are. We find ourselves at this point to where you and I exist in the same space. And we share this space. And both of us are intentional and determined on getting clean. Aligning more and more fully with our authentic self. By using this relationship as the material and the medium. It's where we exercise. So we don't allow each other to get away with nonsense. <laughs> and to hide and to escape from ourselves. And you have always told me, it's like, I don't spend, I've never spent this much time around anybody ever. And I love being around myself. Well, it's pretty easy to distract ourselves when we're alone, right? But when you have another person that's in your space, they're going to bring out your irritations. Now, is it the person that's irritating you? No. Exactly. <laughs> They've just become a mirror for you to see yourself. And it's easy for the ego to project into them thinking that it's them that's doing it. Totally. Mm. Totally. And that's the majority of the world. That guy cut me off. So I'm so fucking angry at him. You did this. So I'm so angry at you. And then we spend our lives just riding the surface wave at finger pointing at whoever brings up that emotion that's already within us. So we've decided that we're trying to get clean. We're trying to accumulate we're not trying. We are. We are getting clean. We're bringing our energy back to ourselves. All right. So that's something to, to lead into right now is that every time we've overstepped ourselves, we've given our power away to some other person or to some other situation. <sighs> <laughs> and, and in doing that, we've started to stress ourselves to stress our systems because we're maintaining something that's not even remotely aligned with us. <laughs> and more importantly, it's created what we've commonly referred to as codependent relationships. So we've created our sense of well-being or happiness or peace is dependent literally upon somebody else's behaviors and actions. And if we're running around trying to make our environment happy, We've completely lost sight of who we are and we've given all of our energy away. So how else can we not feel exhausted? Mm. So in this uh, journey that we've taken to reaccumulate and to acquire, and more importantly, I want to start to use this phrase. I feel we're going to speak about it more and more regularly. Free energy. How do we free energy? We free energy by bringing it back to ourselves. Yeah. And aligning with what is most authentic. You see what it came up in, <clears throat> gosh, what came up in me listening to you speak just now is when I moved away from Ohio in 2014, and at first I would fly back there like three times a year. You know, I was still really attached to that. And each time I was there, it was so challenging to be the new version of me. You know, I would go there, I would hang around old friends and I would 
it would just I would just fall right back into old patterns. And I think that's because the environment, it's this codependent thing. We can't allow people, you know, the majority of people can't allow their people to just be them and see them newly. But I had ingrained these ways that I showed up in my environment so much so that my friends would be like, no, this is what we do. We drink and we hang out. And I'm like, you're right. And I would just drink. I would throw away any shifts that I've made just to like relate to them and to be in the environment with them. So I would just instantly step over my will and I would justify it. It's only a few weeks. It's fine. This is what you do. This is how you hang out with them. Until eventually I was like, I just need to accept that they don't want to like be around me if I'm this version of me. And so we just aren't aligned anymore, you know, and then to stop relating to them. And so I think that's, I freed up so much energy because I didn't have to like people please and step over my will to show up as how they wanted me to, you know, but I'm, I'm still, as we located today, there's still like a certain aspect in my life, just one where I'm doing that still yeah. subtly, yeah, yeah, subtly. All right. So in freeing up energy, it means that we only have so much energy. And it's either being expressed here or there. But the majority of the energy that we spend is being exerted through unconscious programming. Yeah. We're taking having thoughts and taking actions based on unconscious programs. Totally. Right? So if we want to create the reality of our dreams, the reality that's going to make us feel amazing, happy, joyous, blissful, but more importantly, align with our highest sense of self, we need to bring all of our energy back to ourselves. So we have to become more and more conscious and reclaim this energy. Um, so where have we been drifting energy into anger? Where have we been drifting energy into codependency? Um, expecting our environment to show up in certain ways. And it's only until then that we become happy. But most importantly, and what this podcast is about where have we been spending energy and pleasing others? Yeah. Forming an identity based on how other people behave and how can we control their behavior by rearranging ourselves to manipulate them. And I mean, and there's all forms of manipulation. There's subtle and there's gross forms. So, right, you manipulate somebody by smiling at them looking a certain way very subtle subversive i mean children are manipulating adults all the time right by being cute but then there's these gross forms of manipulation which are essentially another way of controlling your environment and that could be anger when our environment doesn't give us what it is that we want then we become angry and this is where we're at right now so anger has been coming up in i'm going to say not your field, but it's been coming up in our field. And it's only because of this interaction that we're sharing that we give it the space to come up. Not to identify with it, but to look at it if we have the courage and then to realize that we have the capacity, the tools through our willingness to engage in it, to talk about it, to locate it, and to transform it, to redirect the flow of energy to regather our energy and to redirect it to create the person and the being that we want to be and to reside in. So with me, the anger is coming up to really, well, one thing is to, to feel what has been shoved down. Anger, I feel, is the easiest to override in a system and not to look at because anger is deeply stored in the body. And so something as subtle as like I was saying in the beginning, caffeine can shift one to a whole other operating system where that's not even, it doesn't come up naturally. You know, if it comes up by a certain thing, it's easy to override it and just pick it's that asshole who cut me off in traffic. Um, but mine's really coming up to look at, to see any of the other ways that I'm showing up that's not in full alignment to me and to what my soul's asking me to step into. You know, and that's, it takes a level of honesty with self because we can align with who the mind desires to create us to be and then versus what the soul is telling us to be. So it kind of takes a congruency within of mind, body, and, and soul. It, it has to 
go hand in hand with a, a familiarity with our soul's knowing. What does that feel like? How do we not just do everything the mind says? And what I noticed in when Jer was talking is it's almost like, so this operating system within that believes it's separate or the ego or whatever you want to call it, that we shift out and observe and hold. It's like we're the partner of it. It's kind of like it's a, a child, you know, and we are the parent of it. And I kind of feel like hearing him talk about manipulation, it's like, oh, my inner child is can manipulate me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to align with these things because right now it's not in the highest alignment for me. But that inner space can get activated and be like, no, I want this now. And it's like, do I have enough discipline to align with the higher vision or do I rearrange myself to go like meet this need inside? You know, that's not really a need. It's just wanting energy. So it's like there's so many layers and levels in which we can step outside of our own knowing to feed a sensation within. Like, oh, I don't want to upset this person. And, and so I'm going to just rearrange myself to, to show up how they, how they need. But really, the truth of that is I cannot be with the sensation of potentially upsetting someone. I literally cannot even feel that. Like, I'd rather step over my own will to show up for them. And there, I think there has to be a certain level of energy within all of our bodies that do that. You know, just our inner self. Like, what the heck? You know, you keep overriding our knowing. But then it's not beating ourselves up. It's coming back to self and just instant forgiveness. Like, okay, here I am now. And I might step over you again, but I promise to come back again. And I'm just the more that my authentic alignment reveals to me, the more I'm just like, wow, how do we find that? You know, how does one find that if they're not committed to a path like this or a a path of any nature, you know, of of expanding out and remembering their truth? Because look, we are literally a world that's built on stimulants and drugs. We're literally a world that's built upon, a society that's built upon overriding our system. Oh, you feel nauseous? Take this pill. Oh, you're tired? Here, have a coffee. There's a coffee shop on every corner. Oh, you're feeling tired? Here, have another coffee. Or take an upper. Or, oh, you can't sleep? Take a pill. Oh, you're feeling nauseous? Take a pill for that. Do you know what I mean? It's a society that's saying, do not feel. So we're literally set up to not listen to our internal knowing so we can override our system to feed this bullshit, um, unrealistic, must crash and crumble structure that is not truly authentic to like 85% of these people's souls. You know, I mean, all right. So the stimulation also doesn't come just from like um, substances. It's the entire social media platform, Mm. whether it's, uh, and it could even be like these platforms that host movies. Um, There's, this instant gratification and this instant gratification keeps anybody from feeling right. You have, yes, you have a hunger pain <laughs> pang, you know, and what do you do? You, you cram a chip down your throat or something else. All right. So what happens if you don't put that chip down your throat? Right. Or what happens when those desires to scroll through, Facebook or Instagram come up and you don't entertain it. Now we're entering into the sensation of feeling, looking with and being with yourself. And this is what we're aspiring to, uh, you and I, Sophia. And I suspect that the people that have made it this far in this podcast are also doing the same thing. How do you get clean energy? How do you make it so it's sustainable? And how do you gather your energy back to yourself so that you're aligning with the highest version of yourself. It is essentially feeling, being with those feelings. And you have to give yourself, just like an artist might create a studio space, which is conducive to the production of the work. Um, You have to create a space within yourself that gives you the allowance, whether it's the time or the energy to do it so that you can be with yourself, 
So it means taking time to engage in these spaces. So as you've cut the caffeine out of your being, you've literally created space for these things to emerge. You and I, we've uh, really cut back our social media and I have literally felt an expansion of being come as a result of it. I am no longer investing in these stories that are not even mine. And the funny thing is, is that any of you listening to this, if you've just gotten through scrolling something or you, and as you move throughout your day, you're going to see if you look at at your thoughts and the decisions that you make, how that stuff has informed the decisions that you're making. Totally. Right? Go yeah, ahead. totally. I have really noticed that as I get more quiet and like observant, I am seeing how things that I see on social media literally pop into my awareness throughout the day. And you know, this thing that I've been working with is it's so powerful. It's do you want to know where your energy energy leaks are? What arises when one is trying to be present in the moment? That's what I've noticed for me. When I'm bringing myself to full presence in the moment, meditation, bringing all of me to cooking dinner or, or washing the dishes, not having my mind run in a million things, bringing myself right there, where does my mind want to go? And it's been interesting to observe. It's like crazy things that I've read on social media. Even someone's post for like, from like a few weeks ago pops in. And it, if I watch it, my brain's like a movie screen. I, I see the images. I feel the people. I w- it's like, so it's like a movie moving in front of me. Like this person, that person, this person, that person, this text, that text, da, 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 and it doesn't stop. I'm just like, oh my God. I'm willingly like feeding this into my field. And then I've been really observing how I feel after I get caught in like a scrolling. Like, okay, I'm scrolling and then mindless scrolling and then I stop. How does my energy feel? And it is a distraction. I'm not saying little moments of like checking out or distractions like that are bad and wrong. Um, I'm just saying I know what I notice for me is what is and isn't alignment and what is and is not taking my energy. And so within that, you know, going back to what you're saying, it's it's really a discipline because when you were saying when you're hungry, what do you do? Do you just shove a chip down your throat? This is something that I have moved through. I my biggest thing of stuffing down the stuff in my gut energetically would be if I felt hungry, run and get something or eat a treat and, and shove that in because then the energy would focus on that. It wouldn't be able to get to what's underneath. So as I started to sit with what was underneath, it was super uncomfortable and I'd want to run away and I'd want to go get that treat or I want to do that thing. And that's what I see now and what I shared in the beginning of this. I'll want to run to caffeine. I'll notice my being like, let's just have a little caffeine. And you know what I mean? Like something to, to cover it up a little bit more. So it takes like, yes, sitting with a sensation, but a commitment to self to stick in there and to actually do it and to see it through because it's so easy to abandon ship in this culture that everyone tells each other it's okay. You know what I mean? Like everyone drinks coffee, so it's okay. Everyone, the majority of the collective is on pharmaceuticals, so it's okay because the doctor prescribed it, you know? The majority of the culture binge watches seasons and seasons and seasons of television, so it's okay because everyone does it, you know? So it's e- quote-unquote easier to override our own knowing when we tell ourselves Oh, but everyone does it, but it's normal. But a doctor prescribed this to me. So with that, we can just literally step over our own knowing and like ride that evidence forever if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, And you and I, we have to illustrate that we're not being critical of anybody or anything. We just watched a show last night and we never watch a show like this, but it was so out of our league, but it felt good to part of me to just chill and like watch that show. And and we're definitely not casting judgment. No. And Jeremiah drinks coffee right now. This is a reflection of us in our journey. (laughs) And, and we record these for no other reason than to hear ourselves speak. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like um, a therapeutic space to like process by speaking into it. And, you know, I get a lot of feedback. People enjoy these podcasts. I'm going to keep flowing. 
But honestly, what I'm saying is just me and my own thing. I know people who drink coffee every day and they're so in tune and enlightened, quote unquote enlightened, but like walking a super line path. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just speaking to the majority of what I observe. I'm no in no way saying that anything here is your truth. But if you get triggered by it, that's a key place to look inside and what's being triggered in a way to own your will even more. Because this is in no way to you, even though we're saying you and them. And I'm just reiterating, like, this is really our our journey and in, in what I have found to be true for me. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, Lisa, this is going to couple into something really quick. You've been what? telling me about this uh, vegan gal. Oh, yeah. Can you bring that up? Because that's super interesting in terms of people pleasing, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. So I don't know if any of you follow Yoga Girl on Instagram, but I, when I first started my awakening in like 2013, no, 2013, like 2011, I found her on Instagram and it was like before Instagram was really even that popular, but she had like 20,000 followers. She had a lot. But anyways, I followed her because I'm like, whoa, look at this free-spirited woman. And it just inspired me. Um, flash forward to now, she has 2 million followers. And she's really massive on there. Um, a lot of the, her followers have followed her because she has been vegan. And a really strong vegan. Like, wouldn't even eat eggs or anything like that. And has been vocal about it in her podcasts and her shares and things like that. But she's moved to Sweden from Aruba and has gotten like more. So she was someone, oh my God, I love making these connections right now. She was identified with her image. She would do retreats all over the world, book tours. Like people were always like, yo girl, here, here. And she was so busy and she was vegan and she was getting sick all the time. Like all these different ailments happening. She lived in Aruba at the beach, go, go, go. Well, she has changed up her life. She moved to her birth town of Sweden, birth country, and with her husband and her child and her families there. And she's been tending to the land, like gardening, slowing down, swimming in the lake, like being present in the moment, tending to different animals. And she has she has her own story. You can go to her page, listen to her podcast if you'd like, of how she it started dropping in her field. Like so. I won't go too deep into her story, but a lot of a lot of um, doctors were telling her you just need a little bit of animal meat or animal products in your diet. All these different doctors, just an egg, just this, and she was like, absolutely not, and would cut them out of her life. Long story short, she's here now, grounding in, has been feeling her own intuition tell her it's time to introduce these products in your life, and she's like, oh my god, but this is an identity, like this is I can't even like think of that. So she prayed about it, da-da-da, long story short, this egg presented in her field in the most auspicious of ways. She's very spiritual and prayed to God, like, you will bring me an egg because she felt like I need to have an egg. The egg was brought to her in the craziest of ways, and she did not tell anyone this, by her daughter. And the way that it went is she sat with it forever. It was huge with her. She felt like she had this secret. She had this egg that fight that did present itself and it was on her altar. And she's like, Oh my God, can I even do this? Cooked the egg, ate the egg, felt instantly, insanely better in her body, better than she's felt in years, just from one egg. She's like, okay, this is undeniable. And these are chickens that are well cared for. So over the course of four months, four to five months, maybe even six months, she she went from one egg to like a few weeks later, another egg to like having a little cheese to trying meat. And she's allowed her views to completely shift. She's interacted with these farmers around her, these family farms that have cows and like, anyways, I don't need to go so deep into her story, but her life views that she grasped and white knuckled completely shifted. She was like, I, wow, I was so wrong and felt like I was so right. And she was making people who were non-vegan super wrong. She admits that because it's what she knew. But she sees a different way and how her view on like no animal should die has completely shifted to like death is a beautiful part of life. And how can I show my daughter that this is part of it, part of the cycle of life? And so her, she's like, oh my God, okay, so I've completely changed 
a lot of her followers were like, hey, why aren't you posting stuff about vegan recipes anymore? Because she sometimes throws that on and she's just been ignoring the topic. So she finally came out and did a podcast like, I'm not vegan anymore. And I'm still super against factory farming and the treatment of animals and in the way that they're raised like that and the milk industry. But I see a different way these family farms and the humane treatment of them. And she was very like open and it's very much aligned with my views. Like I totally felt her. The backlash that she's receiving, if you want to see, go to her page, Yoga Girl, and look at her post about becoming vegan. Look at her comments. Not only that, there's a guy with like a million followers on in YouTube who did a whole video about her. Came out of like his, his um, pre-retirement to just make an hour and a half video about her. This other woman with like hundreds of thousands of followers made a whole video making fun of her. It is like brutal. All right, all right. So how do we tie this into this people I know. Pleasing? I'm going on, on. Okay. Thank you for bringing me back. So she is an example of what it looks like when one aligns with their authenticity. Um, and what is like when people are so attached to us being a certain way, like the fallout that can come of that. And can we stand in our truth? despite adversity and she's really receiving it people are straight up like you like disgusted with her and saying the meanest things oh my god i use the word mean <laughs> <laughs> oh shit um saying like the most hurtful things to her and she's still like i'm not taking this on you know, I'm not taking this on. This is me living my life and speaking my truth. And I'm aligning with my authenticity. Right. All right. So essentially why you've given up caffeine and you've eliminated certain things from your diet is your body was telling you that it cannot sustain those substances anymore, right? That they are actually creating harm yeah. as opposed to giving you energy, which in the past they did. Yeah. Right. right. So this yoga girl also had her body had started to dictate that it was stressed. Yeah. It needed a true source of energy. And it's not for everybody, but her body was dictating it. Just like I think that anybody out here knows when your body's stressed, when it's fatigued. Any system will let you know when it's stressed, when it's fatigued. Right. So yeah. do we continue to ignore it and to push it under the radar until it gets to the point to where it's past even being able to be restored? Or can we recognize these symptoms early on and accumulate energy by removing things that aren't in alignment? Well, like I realized early on with cacao that it created I started writing a whole other operating system within my body in that I felt like each day I was like, OK, this is my cacao like. It gave me something that supported the life that I created. And then I noticed as it went on, it was challenging to fully show up in all those spaces, how the environment expected me to show up, how I created myself in showing up with that substance. Um, it, it became really challenging to show up that way without it. So I'm like, I need to keep doing this. Like I, I, I need to use this in order to show up how I desired to show up in these spaces that I created off of it. And I noticed a lot as I came off of those substances, a lot of the things that I created weren't authentic to me unless I was on the substance. So then what? I felt like I needed the substance to sustain it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I heard wall street was uh, built by people taking cocaine and obviously they made enough money at that time to afford it. But it's almost like, it needs a stimulant like that for a person to want to engage in it. Are all people like that? Hell no. But it's just a, a reflection. Yeah, it's just a reflection of the the energy that is needed to do certain things. Totally. Like Wall Street, I love that example because I think of it, it seems hectic and chaotic and this, ha, ha, ha. How can one have a grounded nervous system in an environment like that? Would it even exist if people were calm? Would a system like that have ever been invented? Would the whole corporate America be what it is if we didn't have 
stimulants and fear that if I don't do this, I cannot survive. No. I know that I have in the past engaged in many projects that I would, for lack of better words, call creative, only to realize that for that creativity to be sustained, which means to complete the project, whether they were paintings, stories I was writing, for them to be completed, I had to engage in the same activity that in which initiated it. And, and if I took some time away from that stimulant, I had absolutely no interest in that project anymore. And in fact, it was like at such a different vibratory rate that I couldn't even understand it. Mm -hmm. But it's like I could take a dose of uh, the stimulant again and I'd be right in the mindset once again. And, 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 and I've realized that this is where I'm at right now in my life is that there are new projects that want to be formulated and born, but they want to be sustainable. And they need to arise out of a different form of energy that's not dependent upon a substance to, to sustain it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, what's up? So the art that you're working on now, do you feel that it's dependent upon the coffee that you're presently communing with? Yes, 100% dependent upon it. If, mm -hmm. it. if it wasn't, I wouldn't be drinking it. Um, but I want to state it like this. Is it in the highest alignment with my soul? No. But I do see where it is that I'm going mm. and I'm moving towards. So can it be both? So look, I realize there's a blanket statement because I said America, like corporate run by coffee. But I think it is like like the general, if you look at it, population could would they sustain their life the way they're doing it if they didn't have coffee fueling them? And for me personally, I saw how caffeine has got me to override a deeper system within my body. What was authentic for my system? That's me personally. I'm not saying everyone else because I've noticed moments when I sit and I pray over coffee and commune it slowly and I get and I'm present with every sensation of it entering my body it's different I feel different and then I feel like coffee's a tool but I feel the way that it's been used at least in my life is just not for that at all it's like shove it down like drink it Woo! I feel energy let's go so I do look forward to the day that I feel like I can commune with coffee again and I can commune with cacao again. I'm not going to not ever do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the relationship would be sustainable. It wouldn't be an everyday thing. And my life wouldn't be dependent upon it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not being critical or judgmental of it. And it is a tool. Yeah. Right? Um, you use it as a tool. Yeah. But I do also know that it's not sustainable. All right. So, for instance, it, this analogy just popped into my head. I had a friend who taught me how to garden. And he had been gardening forever. And there, he had these large plots, and he liked to grow like 50 tomato plants. And he would, this is before I knew anything about sustainable agriculture and gardening, and he would just pour fertilizer and shit on these plants. Because he loved these big, massive tomatoes, and he loved to like take them to church on Sunday and give bushels out to people. And I started to learn about organic methods of gardening and how it attracts certain insects and then that attracts birds. And there was this whole like interconnected network that supported nature in all its various forms. Mm -hmm. And I said, Monty, I said, why don't look at this new method of gardening? And it wasn't new. And I said, but why don't we try to eliminate the chemical and to feed the soil through organic methods? And I said, but we may not have the big, beautiful tomatoes that you're used to having this year, maybe even two years. I said, but then after that, we don't have to put any more chemical on the ground and it will sustain itself, right? And he was like, no, thank you. He, <laughs> he wasn't willing to make that investment to make the transition, because of the validation he probably got from people like, what? Thank you for these tomatoes. They're so big. Like an identity, right? It was formed from it. Yeah. But not only that, the illusion of this product he was making, right? 
I mean, the product existed as a result of him pouring chemical onto it. And he wasn't willing to invest or to gather energy from other areas to invest in another form of sustainable, clean energy. And this is kind of what we're talking about here. So my use of caffeine is I'm still in the process of fertilizing my art right? It's still got that influence, but I'm transitioning off of it. You know, I've tried cold turkey methods in the past and they typically just have never been sustainable in and of themselves, that process. So I'm tapering off, gathering my energy so that it's more sustainable, building more consistent ways of working that are going to help me to transition into the organic method of making artwork. What does that mean? something different at least from what I've been used to that is probably going to be more grounded it's probably going to be more slow but also I'm unplugging from all the systems in which I've ever made art the way that I've thought art needs to exist Mm -hmm. the way that the forums in which it exists the the medium in which art has been made with I mean like you and I have started to like go down and just look at the flowers and the plants as they change in the seasons and we've picked a bouquet and that's been like the most grounded most artistic thing that I've done forever you know so it's taking me out of the medium of thinking that it has to come through paint on a canvas you know well you took in your brain like okay we want to grow plants through the winter how are we going to do this? We went to the salvage yard. You pick up a bunch of freaking, to me, that's just like, what? How are we going to turn this into it? And you made us cold frames, like genius. Your creativity, I see how it comes out always. You know, you really are in flow with that creativity. So I'm excited to see as you shift um, influences, what bursts through you then that feels more authentic to who you are now. Right. So I think that that's kind of where I'm at is that creativity wants to flow. But the only way that I've known how to express it in the past has been through this quote art, you know, quote unquote art and how it looks and where it gets displayed in galleries and on walls, you know, and for me literally to show up and to participate in those environments, which I haven't been very successful at, by the way just because I could never really fully believe it and embrace it and show up has been in the art world, you know? And it's just never been in alignment with me. And for me to show up in the way that I have in that world, I've needed caffeine. It's been the only way that I could navigate that environment. And even then, it wasn't enough to completely knock my knock me out of myself so that I can completely surrender into it. So yeah, so now that I'm withdrawing from it, I've actually lost almost all of my interest in <laughs> making anything that would be hung on a wall or that would be displayed in an art gallery. And that creativity is finding a new form of expression. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at with that. <laughs> and I want to add here because there's people who listen to my podcast. I know that I've they drink cacao because of me, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, can I reiterate enough? There's nothing wrong with the choices and what you do. I love cacao. I drink it every day for like years, but I couldn't deny that my body was like, stop. You know, I had a very unsustainable relationship with it. So I'm just talking about me and that there was a lot underneath that was shoving it down that I realized I've spent my whole life from substance to substance, never having a time period without any of it. So the intelligence of the cacao and coffee bean were like, stop using us so you can be with what is wanting to come up. And here I am and I am doing that. And so much of my life is shifting. It doesn't look like it, but it's baby steps and how steps and how I'm transitioning out of a lot of what I've created and just stay tuned. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap this up today. I think we could keep going on forever about all of these topics, but is there anything that you would like to conclude with? No, it's been fun. I love these dialogues and I think we're getting into a rhythm and format in which we'll just continue to live life. And as things 
appear and come up in our field. Um, maybe we'll just grow more inclined to grab a hold of this recorder and reflect. Yes. And and anybody out there listening, we hope that if there's anything that triggers you or excites you or calms your nervous system, give us some feedback. And uh, if you got some topics or anything that you're interested in that maybe we can uh, riff on, you know, so reach out. Yeah, yeah. That like makes me think of the last podcast we did, the projection that you got. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We can't go into that. We're at the end. We'll do that in the next one. Yeah, I mean, but also sit with the trigger that comes up. Like, we had a person that really strongly laid it into Jer hardcore from the, from the last message about, and I recorded I recorded an episode about it. So next podcast will be about that. Okay. <laughs> you don't need to get into it now. If you want to know where your energy leaks lie, see what arises in your mind when you try to be present in the moment. That's been my theme lately. Thanks, fam. See you next time.